What is going on, guys? Welcome back to Size, Strength, and Bro Science. I'm your host, Neil Austin, better known as Big Freaking Neil. super excited about the episode today because I am joined by my first ever podcast guest on this show. Uh, I am joined today by Chris Piontek. What's going on, man? How are you? What's up, man? How are you? Doing well. Did I, uh, did I say your last name correctly? You did. I don't even know. Okay, cool. You're taking tips from Alex. Maybe. There we go. Yeah. So I, uh, uh, Chris is a buddy of my co-host of my other podcast, uh, Health Coach Kane. If you haven't seen that, you should check it out. It's called the Big Freaking Health Coach Podcast, and it's available everywhere that this podcast is available. And Chris and I, up to this point, have just been pretty much Instagram buddies. We've DM back and forth. So this is our first time actually speaking, quote unquote, face to face, even though we're more so screen to screen. Um, but yeah, I'm excited. Chris is a competitor and I have lots of questions for him today. So, um, yeah, man, why don't we start out by just, I'll give you the floor and let you say a few words about who you are, what you do, um, maybe your history with competing, what shows you've done, um, all that jazz. All right, cool. So yeah, thank you, um, for having me on here. So kind of history about a little bit about myself. So I've been in the army for just over 15 years. So it's been ever since I graduated high school, went straight into the army Um, service. Of course I was enlisted first and then I went into the officer realm. Um, so over here as a company commander right now, which means I'm in charge of like 70 ish people for all their admin training and all that crazy stuff. Um, amongst the, the COVID madness too. So that's been fun. Um, and and I work in the medical field, so that makes it even more fun, but, uh, imagine, uh, history competing. So, uh, the first time I competed was in 2013. I did Emerald cup actually. Nice. Um, so, you know, Craig productions, awesome, best group of people around. Um, but I got smoked, I got smoked badly. (laughs) Um, uh, and so, I did men's physique in that one. And then I did another show in 2013. I think it was like September, October in Spokane, Washington, uh, men's physique also when I got like sixth or seventh place in that in my class. And then, uh, competed most recently in 2018, I think, yeah, October ish, uh, did classic physique in, I think B division. I think we're about the same height, but, um, and I got sixth place there. Nice. Well, little sensitive subject there because I was in first callouts, but then they bumped me down a little. So it's all really, good. it's all good. Oh man, that's that's wild. Yeah, the whole uh, the whole callout thing, and like when they're moving you around on stage, and sort of trying to predict like where you're placing based on that, like that mm-hmm. that'll throw you for a loop, man. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Definitely. Um, well, cool. So basically your first year of competing, you did two shows. So then your yeah. prep must've been pretty much back to back, right? Yeah, kind of. So as I did my first show and I think Emerald cup is in the end of April or may. 
yeah, time frame. Generally. Yeah. Um, and then I actually ran a marathon in June. I ran the rock and roll, um, Seattle rock and roll marathon. Wow. And then we, we moved over to Pullman. Um, so I could go back to school and okay. then started to prep as soon as we moved to Pullman in like July, July to September. Cool, man. That's a busy know, year. Oh yes. <laughs> Two preps at a marathon. Damn. Yep. That's pretty wild. Um, okay. So you competed twice in 2013, once in 2018. Um, are you planning on competing again? Yes. So, uh, I was actually going to do a INBA natural show up in oh, cool. Phoenix, uh, was supposed to be last month, but I can't, I can't leave 120 miles of where I'm stationed at right now. So oh, gotcha. I wasn't, I wasn't able to go do that. But, um, right now the plan is to put on as much size as I can for the next nice. uh, seven, eight months and then get back on stage in San Antonio when we move back over there. Nice, so man. probably October, November timeframe. Solid. So you're, you're like me sort of getting on that, that off season train right now. Oh yes. That's awesome. It's a, it's a struggle too. Yeah. So how deep were you into your prep when you realized you weren't going to be able to do that show this year? Uh, I was like four weeks in um, and I was holding out hope, but you know, when you kind of know that you still might not be able to, um, your foot isn't fully on the gas. So sure. It was a little hesitancy. So a little challenging and disheartening though. Um, Yeah, it's all good. Absolutely. How did you, uh, how'd you take that? So I, I know for me and granted, I was really deep into prep at this point, but I was like, I think two weeks out when the, uh, the governor of Idaho, uh, rolled everybody back a face, rolled the whole state Mm -hmm. back a face. And I heard (laughs) First of all, for weeks, I've been hearing that Idaho's cases were uh, sky high, out of control. So I was already apprehensive. And then I read a headline on the day he made the announcement that uh, said that he was making an announcement or uh, holding a press conference to, to update everybody. And I was I was kind of a nervous wreck that whole day, to be mm-hmm. honest with you. Um, again, shout out to Craig Productions within an hour of his announcement. They had an email in my inbox telling me that the show was still on. So they, they did a lot to ease the anxiety of, of all the competitors at the show. But, um, until I had that email, I was, I was really, really stressed. So how did, how did that impact you? Um, because you were early on in prep, was it kind of easy to shake it off? Or was that yes hard? and no? Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, we on our base we've been locked down since March, and so yeah. for the most part, from March to probably June, we couldn't even leave a sixty mile radius of the wow. base. So, wow. uh, I'm you know I, I was going in with kind of the idea that hey, this may not even happen. So, um, okay. but but you know when you start something, you don't ever want to quit, right? And sure. So I did everything I could, um, you know, and then obviously I have to use my wife as a sounding board and I'm like, uh, you know, I don't know. I don't want to get too crazy because she knows the struggles of being 
you know, dealing with me while I'm prepping, especially sure. towards the end and yeah. no carbs and grouchy. So, um, oh, yeah. I mean, it was, it was mentally challenging for a little bit and then yeah. you don't have, uh, you don't have another goal. Right. So I didn't know when the next time I was going to step on stage. So what do yeah. I do now? Yeah, no, that's the hardest thing. It's like when you're on prep and you have that specific date that you're preparing for, and then all of a sudden that gets taken away and it's like, what, this was my whole, my whole purpose was to prepare for this date. And now that date's gone. Like, what am I doing? Like, what's what now? Mm -hmm. I, that's yeah. That'll mess with your head for sure. Um, okay, cool. So when you are, I, I like what you said about, uh, your wife knowing all too well how hard it is to deal with prep because I had very similar experience. Uh, for you personally, is that the hardest part of being on prep or, or generally speaking, what is the hardest part of prep for you? Oh yeah. This last prep that I did, that was the hardest part is just knowing that I'm being kind of a jerk and I just can't, I don't really have the ability to control it sometimes. I mean, yeah. you do to, for a little extent, but, um, I think actually the least part of prepping for a show is that I hate being one dimensional. Like I don't want to sure. be a bodybuilder. I don't want to be a, you know, I want to be an athlete. So the, my least favorite part is actually that I can't go out and do everything. Like yeah. I can't just go, go run five, six miles if I want to, just because I'm feeling good. I have to stay strict on this or I have to train a certain way. So that's probably the most challenging. Yeah, man. I relate to that. So, so much because, um, I've done a fair amount of powerlifting as well. I've competed in, uh, several powerlifting meets and done, done relatively well. And I really like training that way. That's actually the whole reason why I got into powerlifting is I've just always liked to lift really heavy and when you're in prep and you physically can't, like, even if you wanted to, even if you wanted to go off program and, you know, do <laughs> hit some heavy triples, get in the squat rack, like you physically can't do it. Mm -hmm. And it's, that's brutal. Also just, just generally, um, for you on prep, do you find that you sort of, especially towards the end, fall out of love with training a little bit? Uh, yeah, I can see that I, okay. because you just get so frustrated, right? Like you said, yeah. you're not pushing any numbers and yeah. I'm like, okay, why am I, why am I using these dumbbells? Like this yeah. is, this is so light, but I can't do anything with them. It's, it's almost <laughs> exactly. embarrassing. I don't know if it, I should step on stage lifting this. Exactly. Yeah. And it, and then that starts to kind of mess with you too. It's like, well, my strength if my strength is down, does that mean like I'm burning through muscle? Like there's so many things that go through your head when you're doing that. And for me, I found myself sort of dreading going to the gym, which is such a 180 from how I normally feel about it. Like right now, for example, I've never been this excited to train. I'm like, uh, I've been training early in the morning. And when I go to bed at night, I'm literally like, running through my head exactly what I'm going to do tomorrow. And I'm excited about it. Yeah. And that's sort of, that's sort of my baseline normally. Um, but towards the end of prep, man, it was like, once I was there, 
and I felt like I had a decent workout, I still got enjoyment out of it. Um, but just meant the, the build up to it, like mentally getting yourself to the gym, you know, just walking through the doors, like it definitely became more of a struggle for sure. Yeah, And then, and then I think when you add posing on top of that, when you're tired and yes. you, you may not have the lighting hit you. Right. And so you think, Oh man, you know, like my rear delts aren't popping out. Oh, my yeah. shoulders look bad or And then that just throws you in a whole nother mental loop. Right. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Posing too, uh, for me was a, was, it was really hard for me to motivate myself to hit like full on posing sessions. I did. I made that a huge priority, especially towards the end, but like, I never felt that excitement to go and pose that I would feel to go hit a workout. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's like, yeah, you've got all of these boxes to check every day. You've got to go train. You've got to do cardio. You've got to pose. And just like you said about being one dimensional, there's literally no time or energy for anything else in the day. That's, mm -hmm. that's all you got. That's all you got. Um, okay. So you do, you've competed in men's physique and classic physique. Yep. Um, what does a typical diet look like for you, uh, leading into prep? Do you typically taper down carbs as you go? Like sort of, where do you start out? What's your baseline and how much does it suck at the end? <laughs> how bad does it get for you? Well, I think I'm in the reverse position you are because okay. I generally don't have to cut weight to, okay. to go into a show. So yeah. last prep I started off, I was, uh, I think I started at 187 or 189 and I'm in okay. class B classic physique. So the weight cap is 189. So I'm already below it. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I still obviously drop weight, but, um, I think the most I did was like two or three days in a row of, um, would say like 50 to hundred grams of carbs and okay. the rest of the time they were up near 300 the entire prep. So it wasn't, nice. it wasn't too terrible, you know, and then I'm backstage with people who are cutting down from like 220, 230. Yeah. They're like I, I haven't ate a carb in three months. <laughs> right. Well, that's, uh, well, that sucks. Cause I don't have that yeah. issue. <laughs> yeah. But no, I'm also not as great. big. So. Right. Right. That's great though, man. That. So, okay. This is a good question for you then. I have sort of a, a working theory on why towards the end of prep, we feel as bad as we do. And I think it has more to do with uh, your body composition. When you really, you get deep into the single digits for body fat mm -hmm. percentage. Um, I think it has more to do with that than how much you're eating on a day-to-day -day basis. Because what I found is even on my higher carb days and even cause I, I, I was ready early for this show. I made weight early. So the last couple of weeks I actually tapered up my carbs. Um, mm -hmm. cause I didn't have to worry about making weight or spilling over. Uh, so we basically just tried to fill me back out cause I was so depleted the last couple of weeks and how many carbs I ate didn't seem to correlate to how, good. I felt cause I felt really bad <laughs> regardless. Mm -hmm. Uh, 
is that your experience too? Like, do you feel that energy zap towards the end kind of regardless of how much you get to eat? Yeah, I think so. And, you know, okay. going into more like science kind of aspect of it, you know, yeah, you know, fats generally help out with hormones and, you know, if your hormone balance is off because your body fat's too low, then that's, you know, kind of like a direct correlation to why you feel just like you don't have any energy or you're just in a bad mood because your hormones are all sure all over the place. Sure. I mean, I guess when you think about it, we're literally getting within spitting distance of essential body fat for survival. Mm -hmm. So that's got to throw your body for such a crazy loop because, um, like from a, from a biological sense, there's no reason, there's literally no other reason your body would ever be in that kind of condition unless, you know, you were on your deathbed. So all of your hormones and everything going on inside your body is, is going to reflect that. So I think you're spot on. I think that has a lot to do with it. Um, I also think it has to do with just stored energy because when, mm -hmm. when you do have a little extra body fat, that is stored calories, it's stored energy. So your body is sort of tapping into that. Uh, even if you're in a, a severe deficit, it's, it's tapping into that. That's where the fat loss comes from. So when you have literally almost none for your body to tap into, you're sort of at the mercy of whatever energy you're taking in, which is, is minimal when you're in a deficit. Yeah. So yeah. I, okay, cool. I was wondering if that was an experience that other people shared because typically when bodybuilders talk about feeling bad, they always correlate the diet like, Oh, I'm on low carb, but I think it's just getting in that ridiculous of shape, man. That really does yeah, it. Yeah. The carbs are more of like an emotional boost, right? I mean, just like you don't not having them, you can function. They're not an essential macronutrient, right? So you can function without them, but yeah. it's just, I, if I don't have oatmeal in the morning, I get upset and I don't know. Yeah. I just had it for so long every day in the morning. And when you take that away, I'm not as happy. Yeah, no, I can see that. Like, on my higher carb days, for example, on my refeed days, I got more of a psychological, I got psycho, a psychological boost more so than a physical, like energy boost. Yeah. I would actually, I found that I actually kind of felt more sluggish energy wise on those days. Um, as far as like just being at work, training people, working out, like, I would get a better pump usually because I had more carbs, more glycogen, but just overall energy, I felt kind of sluggish, but mentally I felt like, okay, sweet. In another couple hours, I get to eat, you know, 250 grams of rice instead of a hundred grams of rice. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So no, that checks out for sure. Um, okay, cool. Another thing that I want to touch on and that this is a good segue into that, uh, let's talk about coming off of your prep diet. Um, do you, so how hard, what's, what is the hardest you've gone either while on prep and, uh, and basically like scheduling in a cheat meal or immediately after a show, what is the gnarliest, biggest, nastiest cheat meal that you can remember? 
All right. I got a couple, okay. two or three. So the first Perfect. one was, was my first prep. Um, it was actually a couple of weeks before the show. My coach wanted to do a practice carb up. Okay. Um, so my wife and I went to IHOP and I love yep. pancakes. And so she didn't, my coach didn't tell me what like my maximum limit was. So it was all you can eat pancakes. And I swear the waitress came back probably 12 times with just an extra plate of pancakes. And I yeah. probably had 30 to 36 pancakes. <laughs> I, I, felt, I felt awful. Um, yes. And, and then, so the second one, my second prep, um, my coach, instead of, you know, he was like, Hey, uh, you have this, I think it was like a 45 minute window to eat as much food as you want. That okay. is your, your cheat meal gap. So okay. my wife and I went out to this Mexican restaurant, um, and I got some like gigantic burrito. But before we went to the Mexican restaurant, we went across the street to this grocery store and got like cookies and all this sort of stuff. So, yeah. you know, they bring out the, the chips and salsa and I'm like, hit my clock. I'm go, I'm <laughs> pounding as many chips and salsa as I can. Yep. And I crush this burrito and then I'm like, okay, I got five minutes left. And then I crushed all these cookies that we bought. Nice. And I'm telling you, I mean, you know, the feeling from, from when you don't have that stuff in your body and just how awful you feel afterwards. Yes. It, it's never worth it. Yeah. It's never worth it. Yeah, exactly. It's such a, <laughs> Oh man. Like it feels so good while you're, while it's happening. And then afterwards it just hits you and you're like, why did I do that? <laughs> you oh, know? Yeah. Oh man. That's wild though. The, I like that approach of giving you a, a time window. Mm -hmm. I feel like, having a time window like that would just encourage me to eat more. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's you're like, man, there's no limit. It's as, as much as I can put in my mouth yeah. and in my stomach in 45 minutes. Yeah. Go. And like, so that's the funny thing about bodybuilding too, is like, you know, you get into health and fitness and you're, you're trying to be as healthy as you can. And then you cross over to the world of bodybuilding and it's, yeah getting down to these crazy body fat percentage numbers where that's definitely not healthy um, right. in the moment. And then if you're not psychologically or mentally strong, and then you, you go and have these cheat meals where you're like, I, I don't care what I put in my body. I just, I haven't had so much and I've been restricting for so long. And then let me just binge. And right. So right. if you're not careful, you know, you can easily get caught up in some, some bad uh, eating habits or an eating disorder or something like that. Absolutely, man. I mean, yeah, you hit the nail on the head with that. It's, it's ironic that in an industry that is uh, supposed to be about health and fitness, it's such an extreme version of that, that oftentimes I think it does lead to really unhealthy behaviors. <laughs> um, Cause yeah, it's like from one crazy extreme to the other, which I think is a lot. I think that's where the health issues do come from. Like when bodybuilders really struggle with their kidneys and that kind of thing. I think it's, it's the amount of fluctuation more than anything. Yeah. Like if, if those same guys, you know, just sort of gradually added in foods and, uh, manage to do it that way i bet there'd be way less health issues but when you're in that moment and especially for me like post contest and you're like man i'm off prep it's 
it's really hard not to at least at least indulge for that first mm-hmm. meal after you, you don't have you don't i mean just the simple phrase of i'm on prep versus i'm off prep like yeah. for, at least for me if i'm on something like that's my focus and yes. you're not going to take me off it if i walk by a candy bar it doesn't i don't even notice it but yeah if i'm off prep i'm like oh hey look there's a candy bar let me just let me yeah. eat that even though I know yeah. I'm going to feel like garbage. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, okay. I'm curious to know how your body in particular responds to that. So like, um, especially, especially these cheat meals you're talking about while you were still on prep, did you rebound super hard? Like the next day, did your weight shoot up or did your body just sort of do what, do what you wanted it to and just fill out? Yeah. So normally when I, I've gone through these events like maybe a day or two from all the sodium and the extra carbs and just any water retention. And then it's back to normal. But then, you know, as you've experienced post-show, you get the crazy pumps. And like, as soon as like, as soon as I ate that giant burrito, my veins were like ripping out of my skin. Yeah, exactly. Like it's really cool to see you know, if you've never done that before, see how your body responds and reacts. And then you kind of learn and understand like the sciencey aspect behind it. Sure. Yeah, exactly. So did you find during those preps you were after you ate the big cheat meal, um, and you're kind of watery for a couple of days, once that water retention goes away, do you feel like you look better and fuller and drier after that than you did before the cheat meal or no? So uh, I don't even, Hmm. Stuff to explain. I think yeah. I actually, so like, let's say you, cheat, let's say you cheat on Friday. You have yeah. your, you have your 30 pancakes <laughs> or whatever you hit on Friday. And then you're, you're kind of bloated and watery Saturday, Sunday. What do you look like Monday morning? I think maybe initially I never honestly paid too much attention to it. Um, yeah. You know, initially maybe I'm looking fuller or whatnot. And then, but I know that the days, couple of days after that, four or five days down the road, yeah. like the weight, the weight came off and I, it's even lower. Um, yeah. You know, I don't know if there's, you know, what, what spike happens to the metabolism and then it's yeah. just like the weight's coming off and coming off and coming off. Yeah. So, Okay. So not necessarily like an immediate visual change that you really noticed, um, but potentially anecdotally seem to speed up your rate of fat loss after the fact. Yeah. Got it. Okay, cool. Cool. Um, what, so, okay. So those are your nastiest cheat meals. Have you ever done like a crazy post contest cheat or no? Like the night I mean, nothing, or no, nothing too crazy. The last show we okay. went out and just got like a pizza and ice okay. cream. That's normally, you know, nice. like a cold stone or something. Nice. Yep. Cold stone was definitely on the menu for me after this prep as well. Um, okay. In your experience. So when you're on prep, what I noticed is that, and maybe this is different for you since your carbs weren't quite as low, but I noticed I started to make and eat weirder and weirder things the longer my prep went on to sort of satisfy cravings for myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, my biggest thing is I have a massive sweet tooth. So 
I would rather eat a entire box of chocolate chip cookies than like a burrito, for example. I would go for the sweets before anything else. Um, so what I started doing uh, as an example is at night, my wife would normally eat uh, Halo Top ice cream. Have you heard of that? Amazing. Yes. Yeah. Especially the it's, cookies and cream one or the chocolate yes. chip cookie dough. Chocolate yes. chip cookie dough. Yes. Chocolate that's chip cookie one. dough. That's my favorite oh. too. Oh, it's so good. So that's her typical dessert. And it's also my typical dessert when I'm, when I'm not on prep. Um, so she would have a serving of that and to satisfy my sweet tooth and desire for dessert, I would, uh, we have an ice maker in our fridge and I would make crushed ice and I had uh, chocolate flavored stevia drops that were literally just like stevia and cocoa extract. That's all that was in mm-hmm. it. And I would put like five drops in my crushed ice and mix it around and literally chew on crushed ice just to get the sweetness of the stevia. So did, oh, it's, awful. did it's, horrible. it's horrible, man. It's so weird. And you're, as you're eating it, when you're on prep, you're thinking like, wow, this is actually pretty good. And then the second you're off of prep, you're like, I will never eat that again. Like, why was I doing that? That's so yeah. weird. That's awful. <laughs> so have you ever experienced anything like that? Like what, is there any kind of weird food or weird staple in your prep diet that as soon as you were done prepping, you were like, I would never eat this. No, no. I mean the first prep, um, since I was new to bodybuilding and, yeah. and, you know, and we actually had those stevia drops and, and whatnot. And I don't know what the heck I was doing, but you know, like in my protein shake, I put in like different flavors and it was awful. I, never again. Am I using those stevia drops? Um, but <laughs> I, what I do is like, if she's eating halo top or, or whatnot, it's just like, I get the spoon and I like just a little bit, like not even a, not even a bite. Yeah. Like, just enough to put on my tongue and get like, get my lips wet or something. I don't, I don't know. Yes. It's, it's awful. Just enough yeah. to mentally get you there. Like, Oh, I had some, I'm good. I tasted the sweetness. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Uh, oh dude. I know exactly what you mean. I would, I would do that too. And Usually I would like, you know, the halo tops have the little foil peel back. Oh yeah. You scrape it off the top. Just lick the, just lick it. (laughs) Just lick the, lick the seal and then throw it away and give her the rest. Yeah. Yeah. I still do that when, when she goes and gets ice cream and I know, I know ice cream's going to destroy me. And so I just scrape off the top and I'm like, okay, there, I had my ice cream. I'm good. I don't need go. Just, just a taste, just enough to satisfy you. (laughs) Exactly. Oh man, that kind of brings me to the biggest thing that I wanted to talk to you about today, which is you're a family man. You're mm-hmm. married. You have kids. How many kids do you have? I got two, two daughters, two daughters. How old? Uh, my oldest is four and a half. And then my youngest turns two uh, in December. Okay. Gotcha. So let's see on your first two preps in 2013, you didn't have kids yet. No. Nope. No, but in 2018, you did. Correct. So did you have both at that point or just the one? No, just one. And then my wife okay. was pregnant. So, Oh, got it. Okay. Oh she man. Was like, that, she was like seven months pregnant when I did the show or eight months pregnant. So that opens up a whole other can of questions that I have. For <laughs> oh yes. Bring them on. Bring them on. Okay. So 
for starters, what was it like being on prep while your wife is pregnant? What, what was that experience like? I think we had equal uh, emotional mood swings. I think yeah. that's what that was. Um, but <laughs> yeah, it's man. hard, right? Because bodybuilding is so selfish. And then at the same time, I'm trying to give her love and affection. And she's got a lot that she's going through and going totally. to appointments and all that sort of stuff. Um, it was challenging. And not to mention, so the job that I had at the time, um, I was an aide for a general. So we were traveling three to four days a week for wow. an entire year. So, well, I was mid prep too. So that was just another dynamic. Oh yeah, man. That's brutal. So do you feel like, huh? So given that you were both sort of on the same level, uh, mood swing and, and how emotional you were, uh, do you feel like because you were on the same level, it sort of helped or were you guys at each other's throats the whole time? Like what, what kind of impact did that have? Uh, from my perspective, yeah, I think it was, it was pretty good. Um, okay. Because we had had the two um, prior experiences uh, sure. competing and it wasn't, wasn't as bad. So we kind of knew a little bit about what to expect. Um, sure. And you know, afterwards, she'll always tell me, well, I'm glad you're done prepping because you're, you're done being a jerk or, or yeah. what. I'm like, I didn't realize I was being that bad. Um, yeah, <laughs> but, that's how I feel too. Towards the end, it was kind of actually a good thing um, because so we lived, our apartment complex we lived in was within walking distance of a Gold's Gym. So we would just, we'd walk to a Gold's Gym and she would walk on the treadmill when I had to do my cardio. Oh, perfect. And whatnot. So it actually, that was helpful towards the end. Okay. So you kind of got in a groove, gotten, gotten a routine and it yeah. ultimately, ultimately it helped. Gotcha. Did, so she was seven months pregnant when you started the prep? No, when I, when I competed, when you competed. Okay. Yeah. Um, how long was your prep for that show? It was 12 weeks, 12 weeks. So okay. I think I started in July or August. Okay. The show was in the end of October. So she's like four months pregnant when you, when you start prep, basically. Yeah. Did she think you were crazy for starting a prep while she was pregnant? Like, did she give you a whole she bunch probably of did. back or no? No, okay. she, she didn't. Cause she knows, she knows how my personality is. And if like, if I'm thinking about it, yeah, then I'm going to want to do it. I think you said something about this on your, on the other podcast where yeah. you had been just, just a little seed was in my yes. mind. Like, Oh, yes. I saw, I saw like a flyer for the show and I was like, yeah. Oh, that that's cool. Maybe I should do that. And then like two days later, I'm like, oh, no, I have to do this. Yeah. And, oh, and then man. the next day I'm calling up my coach, like, Hey, we need to do the show. Yeah. I relate yeah. to that hugely. Yeah. Like, um, on my other podcast, for those of you listening, what Chris is referring to is, uh, literally like, I don't know probably like a couple months before I decided to compete. Um, one of the questions that I answered on that podcast was, would I ever compete again? And my answer was no, <laughs> I, I wouldn't. A, a resounding no. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like a pretty emphatic no. Uh, and uh, you can literally see me week to week on that other podcast, like sort of waffling on it. Like um, I had started dieting just for general aesthetic reasons, like just to lose a little bit of body fat. 
and every week I was sort of like, well, you know, I'm getting a little bit leaner. I'm sort of toying with the idea of maybe doing this. And then there's like a moment where there's a hard switch and I'm like, Oh, I'm in prep. <laughs> so I totally relate to that, man. It's like, once that seed is actually planted, there's, there's really no going back. Yeah. Just, that's, it's kind of how I got into it in the first place. So my, my wife was a trainer at gold's bottle before okay. now it, now it's four, two, five fitness or something like that. Oh, yep. Yep. Um, but she was a trainer there and that kind of got her introduced into the bodybuilding realm. Cause that's a really old school kind of gym, or at least it was when we lived there. Yeah. Um, and then she, she was working with some people, uh, like a coach and she was going to train for a bikini show. And I was like, Oh, okay, well, yeah, I think I could do bodybuilding too. And then that's how it all started. Just, just seeing an image like, yeah, you know, I could try that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's cool, man. So really it was your wife that kind of got you started. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. That's that, that probably helps she, a little bit with, she, she destroyed me in training too, man. She was rough. Really? As a trainer. Really? Nice. So was she kind of like your first coach in a way? No, no. She, she trained me, um, before I hired a coach, um, okay. just here and there. But, okay. And it wasn't, it was here and there because she used to smoke me all the time. <laughs> I just, awesome. I couldn't walk for days after. Cause That's so before awesome. I started competing, I'd, I'd like never trained legs hardly yeah. ever. And so whenever I would train with her, I'd say, Hey, I only want to train legs when I, when you train me. Nice. So, you know what to do. I don't know what to do. Sure. Just go at it. And so, yeah. Ugh, awful. Dude, That's great. That, that actually probably helps a little bit with, uh, having to put up with you being grumpy on prep because you can always say, well, babe, it's kind of your yeah. fault. <laughs> you started yeah. it. <laughs> you did this to me. Yeah, exactly. Oh, that's hilarious, man. I love that. Um, okay. So let's talk about, sounds like your wife, it sounds like you have a really solid support system with your wife, which is awesome. Yeah. Um, what's it like being on prep with two kids? Especially it's good that we have a comparison too, because back in 2013, you didn't have any kids. Um, how did that compare to this past prep where you did have two kids and just balancing being dad and, and being on prep? What was that like? Yeah. So it's a blessing and a curse. Um, yeah. the blessing is like, so, I mean, all the times that you feel awful, yeah, really like, coming home and understanding that at the end of the day, I got to take care of them and be there for them and be positive, emotional for them and being a good example. Um, yeah. so it kind of, kind of takes your mind away from the suck of it when it gets down to that point. Sure. But the curse of it also is that same thing is like, you know, when you come back from the gym and you're just exhausted or, uh, yeah. you come back from work after, after, so I work out in the morning, so I'll go to the gym and then I'll go to work. And then it's like, okay, as soon as daddy's home, it's dad, come play with us, run around, chase us. And I'm like, I don't know if I can do this today, Yeah, <laughs> but I'll, I'll lay on the floor and you can jump on me. I don't care. There you go. <laughs> as long as, long as you're there for him, you know? Right. Okay. So as long sort of just being present, uh, even when your energy is just tanked, yeah. That sort of was enough while you were on yeah. prep. Okay. And I think, I think the cool thing was, you know, like I mentioned, we lived by a gold's gym. So we would take my daughter to childcare. Yeah. Um, and she, she was always like, dad, I want to go to the gym. I love, you know, I love playing with my friends at the gym and all this mm -hmm. sort of stuff. So 
I mean, then it was easy for me. I just agree. Come with me. It's kind of like child bonding time, you know, but uh, even though she's, she's over there playing with her friends, but it gives me an hour to just know that mom is doing whatever she wants to do for an hour and gets a break. And then I'm at the gym and then she's having fun getting energy out. Yeah. Oh, that's great, man. That's like, then the times when dad has to go to the gym, it's like a fun thing. Yeah. For your daughter too. That's awesome. That sounds like a great way to do that. Yeah. Try Um, to involve them as much as I can because it also sets a good example too. You know, like my parents, my parents never were, or at least showed the example of fitness too much. And so kind of opposite of, you know, what they did, but, um, I know it'll pay dividends in the future. That's awesome, man. Yeah. I know that. So for myself, uh, my dad was sort of my first introduction to fitness. Um, when I was a kid, he, he actually was very, very briefly, he was a professional boxer and actually got a career ending injury while preparing for his first pro fight, which really sucks. Yeah. Um, but he had, he always had workout equipment in the garage and he stayed in shape all throughout my childhood. So he was sort of my first introduction into it. And I can attest to that firsthand that I still think I probably would have found fitness, but I mean, who knows, who knows when, you know, I think his influence made a huge difference on me. So the fact that you're doing that for your daughters, I think that's awesome, man. That'll make a huge impact on the rest of their lives for sure. Yeah. I think one of the things that we do, at least when I'm off and I'm not playing on the worship team on Sunday, um, yeah. we, she gets excited because we do what she likes to call Sunday, run day, fun day, where I just throw them in the stroller and we go out for like an hour nice. go for a run, whatever. So she is, nice. like I said, just trying to instill that fitness mindset into them and health and yeah. all that. Sunday, run day, fun day. I love it. That's oh, yeah. awesome, man. Um, okay. So sounds like I'm pretty impressed, dude. sounds like you've, you've found like a pretty good family prep balance, even while competing. Um, if you had to give one big piece of advice to other dads out there that maybe haven't competed, but are interested in getting into it, or they just think that there's no way they could do both. Um, what would you tell them? Cause clearly you did it and it didn't have any massive negative repercussions on your family. If anything, it sounds like it's, it's only done positive things for you guys. So what would be your, your piece of advice for somebody like that? Um, so it's going to be hard. It's going to be very, very hard. Yeah. Uh, but at the end of the day, your family is more important than the competition or the show. Yeah. Um, but the things that you do, the discipline that it takes, um, is all, they're all teaching points that you can teach to your kids, right? Setting a goal, yeah. um, creating a plan, being disciplined in just food choices, even as an example, you know, they, you know, kids don't need to be eating chicken, rice, and broccoli, but the fact <laughs> sure. that, that maybe it's a conversation that, Hey dad, why are you eating that? Why do you eat this? And not, not my captain crunch that I'm eating, even though yeah. you're just staring at it and foaming at the mouth. But, <laughs> um, I mean, there, it's all just good life lessons you can teach a kid. Yeah. So uh, that's awesome, man. 
I think that's what you just said right there is super valuable because I think most of us, myself included, would sort of fall into the trap of thinking of it as like, how do I get, how do I just get through this? And it sounds like what you've done is you've taken what you're doing in prep and actually found a way to use that to actually, you know, improve not only your, your relationships with your daughters, but also uh, teach them something and actually make, use it to actually make you a better dad instead of the other way around, which. Yeah. Even awesome. though you don't, sometimes, honestly, you don't feel like you're a good dad, but that, I mean, that comes yeah. with it naturally anyways, until yeah. they say something nice and sweet to you, but um, it, it's tough. It's a hard balance. Um, but you know, anything worth doing, if it's not, if it's not hard, it's not worth doing. So. Yeah. Agreed. Do you think that competing has made you a better dad? Would you say that's true? Uh, I don't know. Um, I don't, like I said, it's a tough, I just think like the, the discipline aspect of it in learning to, to set goals and priorities and stuff, which yeah. does then translate over to, you know, raising kids or even the workplace, you know, yeah. um, I think there's a lot of lessons that can be learned from it. Yeah. I I'm in agreement with you hundred percent. I think for my prep, I under, or I overestimated myself in what I was going to be able to do while on prep, especially towards the end. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cause I really wanted to, I really wanted to improve in every area of my life and sort of uh, initially thought of the prep as like a catalyst for that and sort of the tough lesson that I learned throughout this prep was that, uh, you're gonna, a lot of stuff has to get pushed to the back burner. Um, but when you come out of it, the lessons that you learn doing it, like you said, in discipline and in brutally hard work, they do ultimately improve those other areas of life. It's just, it's a matter of timing, right? It's like, I know that I can't be uh, an awesome, awesome uh, handyman husband while I'm on prep and do all this crazy stuff in the yard. But I know that after prep, that sort of work ethic and discipline that I've cultivated will still be there and will ultimately help with that stuff. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. All right, man. Um, I think this has been a super valuable episode, especially for dads or anybody that's struggling with the family, family life, prep life balance. Um, yeah. I think that I think that this is hugely valuable for anybody that's considering competing and sort of worrying about the repercussions on the rest of their life. Um, it's been helpful for me too, man, hearing, hearing you talk about that and how you framed that, especially with, with your kids and using it, using it to positively impact them rather than just thinking of it as like, Oh, how do I get through this and do the bare minimum to keep my kids happy? Like, that's cool, man. That's not, that is, that's not easy to do. Um, so before I let you go, is there anything else you want to touch on? Um, 
anything that you want to plug your Instagram handle, anything like that? No, uh, I don't, I don't think so. I think we covered pretty much everything. Yeah. Um, and I just appreciate you having me on here. Uh, it was awesome. And absolutely already, already listened to episode one. So I'm looking forward to the future. Cool. Well, you will be on episode two, my friend. Uh Oh, (laughs) hopefully that's a good thing for you. (laughs) No, it, this has been great, man. I'm super happy with, with, uh, like I said, the content and I think it's going to be immensely helpful for a lot of people, guys, if you do see value in this, um, all I really ask is that you pass it on to a friend. Maybe, you know, somebody who's a dad who has gone back and forth on whether they're, they're going to compete or not, or not even a dad, just somebody that has a lot going on in their personal life. Um, I think that what Chris explained about his experience, um, could be really helpful for somebody like that. So if you do know somebody like that and you think they'd see value in this, please just pass it along. Um, I don't need an elaborate, big, loud social media shout out from you. And I don't expect it, but just hit the share button, copy the link and and send it to somebody specific that you think will really get something out of it. Um, All right, guys, this has been a great episode of size strength and bro science. Thanks to Chris here. Um, Thanks for coming on, man. I appreciate it. All the way from sunny Arizona. That's right. Heck yeah. So I would love to have you on again at some point in the future. Uh, maybe when you, you do pick a show and sort of get back in prep mode, we can touch base again and, and see how things are going for sure. For sure. I would love that. All right. Awesome. All right, guys, you know where to find me Uh, big freaking Neil on Instagram. The podcast is available anywhere you listen to podcasts. Um, And I would really appreciate a review, comment, share on whatever platform you prefer. Um, If you have questions or suggestions for topics that you'd like to hear me cover or hear guests talk about, shoot me a DM. Um, If you know somebody that you'd like to hear on the podcast, send them my way. Shoot me a DM for that too. Um, Especially if they're a competitor or if they have something of value to add to this sort of bodybuilding slash powerlifting uh, space that we're in. So, all right, guys, I will catch you next Wednesday for another episode and I'll have my second guest featured in that episode. So thanks again, Chris, and I'll catch you later, guys. Catch you later, buddy. See you later.